Good evening. Good evening, everyone. This is uh, Pastor Terrence Williams with the Cutting Edge Podcast. Uh, it's good to be back with you this week. I was a little bit under the weather last week during our for our normal recording uh, night. So we'll be going back to back. We'll be going tonight and next week. Uh, I was had a little uh, little fall cold that I get almost every year, a little scratchy throat. A little congestion, um, nothing, no, none of that uh, COVID thing. It was just a little bit of, a little bit of cough. So I'm ready to go tonight. Uh, got a good subject tonight. Uh, hope, hope you guys uh, enjoyed. Hope you guys are active, uh, at, uh, commenting and asking questions. But let me go ahead with my, my normal, my normal welcome. So. Uh, Again, this is Pastor Terrence Williams. Welcome to the Cutting Edge Podcast. We are streaming live tonight on Facebook, and you can also find us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Spotify. Uh, so please like and share this live stream uh, so that more of the Facebook audience can access it. You know, they have things called algorithms. Uh, so if you share it and more people share it, um, Facebook will move it uh, further up the stream. Of course, right now I'm uh, I'm a little bit restricted. Um, that happens from time to time. If any of you guys know me, uh, it's a little uh, Facebook and I have kind of a little bit of love hate relationship at times. Uh, they don't like things that I say, but uh, that's not going to quiet me uh, quiet me down. But let let me continue. This is the the cutting edge podcast. Hebrews 4.12 declares that the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing asunder soul and spirit, bone and marrow, down to the thoughts and intents of the heart. This show is aimed at viewing our culture and the events in culture through the lens of scripture, through a biblical worldview. Uh, first, Second Timothy 16 and 17 declares that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be completely and thoroughly equipped for every good work. I am committed to have discussions and I'm committed to inviting guests to discuss cultural topics and events. We'll, we'll discuss the word of God as well. Uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed the last couple of sessions I've had with Pastor Matt Colvin. Uh, he'll be back in the near future. Uh, I had a great session with Kevin Harris um, when I started uh, the cutting edge on my own. Uh, and so we will, we will have guests. Uh, I will have many more. I got many, many, many friends in the ministry um, who have great voices. I had my friend Justin Franich, uh, who is also a, a, a content creator himself. So um, I'm going to have those kind of those kind of guests on this show as we continue to produce content and talk about things. Uh, we're going to take the, we take the gloves off. We talk about things that are going on in culture. We are unapologetic with our, our biblical worldview. And so, again, let me let me say this. We must, as pastors and leaders, make ourselves available for all discussion topics. Because we don't want our people to fall prey to the ideologies and indoctrinations of the world. We don't want them, their minds shaped by CNN, MSNBC, Fox, uh, CBS, ABC, NBC, uh, USA Today, any, any, you know, Gusta Free Press, any of these, any of these uh, uh, Stanton Daily News leader. Uh, 
We don't want them getting their information from there. We want it to come from our voice as pastoral leaders, as shepherds of the flock. Uh, and so that's why we do what we do. We again, we are unapologetic. We're boldly proclaiming the truth of God's word from a biblical worldview. We view the things of culture through the lens of Scripture, and that's that's just what we do. That is the goal and the mission of Cutting Edge. So again, welcome tonight to the Cutting Edge, and tonight we're going to talk about uh, something that I've been into a lot for the last several years. Um, we're going to talk about cultural Marxism. Uh, you've heard of, you've probably heard of of, of Marx, Karl Marx. Uh, who started a, a economic theory that he wanted to get rid of capitalism. He was an atheist and he wanted to uh, cause a revolution. Well, the revolution didn't happen, but uh, the enemy got smart and he realized that we can maybe not affect things uh, on the economic level, but we can affect things on the cultural level. So uh, uh, I'll, I'll give you a little background on that. Uh, a little history lesson here, but uh, the term called cultural Marxism is just basically uh, a Marxist theory that is uh, applied to culture. Uh, you've probably heard of critical race theory, things that are being perpetrated in schools and universities and down to even elementary schools now. Uh, so whether or not you've heard of the term, those terms, uh, you've been greatly affected by them over the last six to eight years. Uh, chances are terminology has made its way into your common vocabulary without you really even paying much attention. Let me give you a few examples of things. Uh, I'm sure you've heard a few of these things since uh, 2012, uh, really since the, murder, the, the death of uh, Trayvon Martin in 2014. Uh, president Barack Obama was the president at the time, and uh, things really got uh, heated up uh, uh, on the racial front. Uh, we had the rise of a group called Black Lives Matter. And so um, these things, these things started to creep in. Uh, chances are you've heard. Let me let me just read you a few terms. Have you heard of diversity, equity and inclusion or DEI? I'm sure you have. Uh, how about white privilege? Uh, how about intersectionality? You may not have heard of intersectionality. Uh, how about non-binary? Uh how about transgender? Uh, how about gender fluid or gender identity? How about marginalized? That word marginalized. How about oppression? Uh, how about pronouns? Uh, those have been spoken about a lot lately in the news. Uh, how about safe space? You know, students uh, on campus wanting safe spaces uh, uh, for them to deal with things that they were having trouble with, trouble with their feelings. Uh, how about sexual orientation uh, or social construct? Um, uh, they say that gender is a social construct. We know that it's binary. We know that uh, God made man in his own image, male and female. He made them in his image. Uh, so it's it's a static thing. You're not assigned a gender when you're born. Uh, you are male or female. Uh, so it's not a social construct, but they use that word social construct. How about social justice? You've heard a lot of that lately. Uh, how about the word homophobia? Uh, tolerance. 
That's another word. Uh, transphobia. How about that word? Um, some of you may not have heard of this word, microaggressions. Um, that's, that's a word that's used in the social justice uh, community. Uh, how about white guilt? White fragility. Uh, a word that's a good word, uh, worldview. Uh, that's a, that's a word. You, you either have a worldview that's biblical or you have a worldview that's Marxist or, or secular humanist. Uh, how about Black Lives Matter? I mentioned them earlier. That's that's a word that's, uh, you know, we had a lot of debate whether people should say all lives matter. And the, the, the rebuttal on that is, well, all lives can't matter until black lives matter. Uh, we've heard that argument uh from from the woke side uh, and even people struggling in the church saying the same thing. How about drag queen story hour? I'm sure you've heard of that lately. Things going on in libraries uh, all across the country uh, of men dressed in drag, reading stories to children. Uh, how about how about this phrase? Christianity is the white man's religion. Uh, we've heard that said. Uh, and the last one, which is a big buzzword today, is called systemic racism. So these terms, these terms we've heard, you know, terminology like these words have arisen rapidly since the beginning of the early the 2010s um, because uh, and they've been developed under the surface since the 1930s. Let me give you a little history lesson now. If some of you may have heard, may not have heard of the Frankfurt School. The Frankfurt School began in Frankfurt, Germany in the, in the early 1920s. And they ended up moving to Columbia University in 1933 due to the rise of Nazism. Uh, from a university level, the philosophical, the philosoph the philosophical, uh, viewpoint of critical theory was developed. And, and from it, cultural Marxism became a method of analysis that was made mainstream and perhaps the dominant influence in the social sciences of the Western world. So these things came in Columbia University. Uh, think about when you think about Columbia University, one name that should come to mind, uh, Barack Hussein Obama went to Columbia University. Uh, Columbia University is where the Frankfurt School came in and they began to uh, inject Marxism at a university level. And so we'll get into what Marxism is. I'll get that get get that through to you. But let's continue with the history lesson uh, by con by containing by containing uh, by combining Marxism with Freudian analysis. You've heard of Sigmund Freud. A doctrine was developed that that deconstructed Western morality, not just in economic terms, because that was the goal of Marxism. Marxism, Karl Marx wanted to to deconstruct capitalism. He wanted to affect it on an economic level. He believed that the revolution would come because of the, the fall of capitalism. Well, capitalism didn't fail. And so the revolution never came. So they took Marxism and they combined it with Freudian analysis and they came up with a plan to deconstruct Western morality. And 
They wanted to bring about question the questions. They wanted to challenge traditional Western morality. So the result has been to open Western morality, not uh, to to been to open Western morality to not just question it, but to ridicule it. They didn't want to just question it. They wanted to bring ridicule to it. So then uh, critical theory gave birth to cultural Marxism. And out of critical theory, critical race theory was born in the 1960s. And it was all and, and also from that came critical queer theory. One thing we need to realize, critical theory is just the is just the umbrella. Every every marginalized group, every group that uh, is oppressed that are not, you know, I'll give you a word here. The, the word is called uh, hegemony. It is the belief that there's a ruling power elite that sets all the standards for a society. And that's called the hegemonic power, which uh, there should be no uh, guess to you who the hegemonic power is. It is a uh, European uh, white culture. And so everyone else falls under the banner of oppressed. So the, the so we have critical theory, which blossomed into critical race theory, which has now blossomed into critical queer theory. So everything you're seeing in society, every all of the all of these words I gave you earlier, all of the unrest, all of the division, all of those things have come about because this underneath the surface of all of all of this since 1933, this ideology has been simmering under the surface. It's been at the university level and now it's making its way. It's made its way into society. It's making its way into our high schools, our middle schools and even our elementary schools. And it is we 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 really, really need to be concerned if you haven't been concerned about it. If you've been told it's just a conspiracy theory, because we have heard that uh, we have heard that said that cultural Marxism is just a conspiracy conspiracy theory by the right wingers. Um, that's not true. Uh, this has been going on uh, since the 1930s. So uh, the aim of critical theory or critical cultural Marxism is to bring division by viewing society through the lens of power dividing people into privileged or dominant groups and oppressed groups. So in other words, right away, you're not an individual. You're not an individual made in the image of God. You are a person that belongs to a group. Uh, in my, I would belong to, I would be a, a African American or black. That would be my primary identity if that was what I subscribed to. So automatically, I fall into the category of oppressed because I live in a in a place where the hegemonic power is European white society who is making all the rules, making all setting all the standards for society. So that's how it works. So let me give you some examples. I said race. Let me say in race, the dominant group is European or Anglo-Americans. The oppressed group is everyone. Anyone else that's, that's, that's a person of color is considered oppressed. In terms of gender, the dominant group is men. The oppressed is women. In terms of sexuality, the dominant group is heterosexuals. And the oppressed are LGBTQ, 
all of those groups that are now receiving so much attention, so much aid. You know, we've got a trans, we've had a transgender on a Bud Light beer can. Uh, we've got uh, we've got them. We've got every other commercial. We've got 50% of Disney characters uh, that are LGBTQ. We've got Target and all these stores promoting it on Pride Month, and and we've we've got here locally in Stanton. We've had a Pride Day at Gypsy Hill Park. We'll have another festival here uh, then uh, here in October. Uh, so they are really pushing in on society. And they have the backing of media. They have the backing of government and they have the backing of the White House. We've seen the White House uh, lit up in uh, lit up in rainbow colors, uh, not only by Barack Obama, but also by uh, by Joe Biden. We've seen the, the 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 trans flag centered in between the United States flag, letting you know what takes precedence according to this administration. Uh, one more, let me give you one more. The dominant group when it comes to class is rich and educated people. The oppressed would then be poor and uneducated people. See that the goal, the goal has been to create division and to create hostility in our country and globally. And to be, to, to come to no surprise, it's been largely successful. It really has. Uh, creating division and hostility is clearly the work of the enemy, our enemy, Satan. And the answer will always will always defeat him. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God, which is advanced by his followers. We are the answer. We are the answer. Our unity, our love for one for another, the blood of Jesus that has set us free, those are the answers to the division and the hostility that's in the world. There are two groups of people on earth, those that are in Christ, those who are still in Adam. That's the only two people on the face of the earth. There's only one race. There's a human race. There are many ethnicities, yes, absolutely, but there's one race of people. It's the human race. We must, as the body of Christ, we must, we must get this right. We're the ones that we say have the truth. And before I get into the teaching, uh, I have to say uh, I've been concerned. I'm very concerned to see all of the many segments of Christianity that have echoed a Marxist secular humanist uh, agenda. They've they're they're uh, gender affirming. They're they have I've seen Black Lives Matter signs on church uh, billboards. Um, I've seen prominent preachers uh, talk about white privilege and talk about uh, white people needing to repent of their history and and all those things. And the truth of the matter is, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. Oh, that's the way. Behold, all things have become new. You are not responsible for anything your ancestor has done any more than I'm responsible for anything my ancestry has done. I'm responsible for my sin and my sin is under the blood of Jesus. If your blood, if your sin is under the blood of Jesus, you are redeemed 
and the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So you don't have to grovel. You don't have to apologize for what has happened in this nation. Yes, this nation did have slavery. This nation did have oppression of people of color, of Native Americans. All of the all of that ugliness did happen. But let me let me remind you of something. We have something in the world called sin. And there is there's been a, a, a there's been a spiral, a downward spiral since Genesis three. Where sin has entered in the hearts of men. So we're and we are now living in the days where evil is called good and good is called evil. So there's evil all around us. There's evil that's been here since the fall of man. So it should be of no surprise that uh, slavery is just not an American thing. Slavery has been a global thing. Oppression has been a global thing. The word slave comes from the word Slav, from the Slavic people who are all, all white. They were enslaved by Muslims. So everyone has been oppressed at some point on this planet. So what, we, what, what are we to do? We are to repent ourselves. And then we are to walk in forgiveness. We are to build relationships. We are to come to Jesus Christ. And then we are to walk in the unity that comes through the body of Christ. The church of Jesus Christ has the answers for sin and for relationship. We cannot fall prey to the worldly ideologies and philosophies. We cannot, through our, our, our compassion for people, allow the enemy to use that that's all that's all being woke is. That's another word I didn't give you earlier. The word woke. What is woke? It's it's certainly not awake. Woke is basically a a bending uh, to the ideologies that I've that I've given you to uh, to it's to uh, is to use to be uh, to to have our uh, human compassion used uh, in the wrong way. To cause us to to put aside scripture, to cause us to put aside uh, the ki the kingdom of God and start to operate like the world, uh, start to talk about white privilege, start to talk about guilt, start to talk about uh, start to support Black Lives Matter, start to be gender affirming, start to fly the rainbow flag at our churches, start to uh, create uh, gay churches. Uh, all of those things flow out of human compassion uh, that is being used by the enemy. Uh, yes, we feel sorry for people that uh, have gone through oppression. Uh, listen, I'm not a gay basher. I'm not a. I'm not anti-LGBTQ. I'm anti-sin. I'm against sin. I'm ready to. I'm willing and ready to call to tell them the truth to see them set free. But I'm not going to take that compassion and then start to affirm that behavior and start to say that maybe they are, maybe they were born gay. Maybe, maybe, you know, that's not the case. We must stand alone on the word of God. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder soul and spirit, bone and marrow, intoned into the heart, the, the heart, the intents of the heart. We must stand on the word of God, even if that makes us 
unpopular, if it makes us hated, if it makes us persecuted. We must stand on the word of God. It is the only answer to set people free. It is the only answer to break the bondages that people walk in. We're not going to affirm them into freedom. We're going to preach them into freedom. They're going to receive the blood of Jesus and enter into freedom because of that, not because we affirm with them and stand next to them and and tell them that the way the lifestyle that they've chosen is okay that god loves them and god accepts them just as they are no god hasn't god didn't accept any of us as we are we all had to repent we all had to we all fall short of christ's glory and therefore we had to repent we had to bow our knee we had to ask jesus for to to let his blood cover us because we could not stand before God on our own. No matter how nice you are, you can't stand before God on your own, much less with a sin, a walking in sin. And all of us have sinned and fall short. So the church of Jesus Christ, as I said, has the answers for sin and for relationship. We cannot fall prey to the worldly ideologies and philosophies. So let's now compare cultural Marxism with the gospel of Jesus Christ, because the gospel of Jesus Christ is the answer. And uh, I'll show you this. This is this is a, a handout that I've that I found. And if you want, uh, you can comment if you'd like me to send you this. Um, it's a very great, uh, very very good handout. It's made uh, by t it's uh, my by an organization called Teach for the Heart. So this is it's talking about how to pursue racial justice and unity, critical race theory versus the gospel. This would also fall under any any critical theory, whether it be critical queer theory. Uh, it's just the, the, the overall umbrella is cultural Marxism. So. In a nutshell. Critical race theory is a view that examines society through the lens of power, dividing people into oppressed and oppressor groups. The gospel, the gospel in a nutshell, is the good news that Jesus Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection offers hope and life to lost sinners. Now, which is going, which has more power? Uh, if we determine that a group is privileged and everyone else is oppressed, and we try to come up with laws and policies that uh, would benefit uh, the oppressed and give them favor uh, and demonize people that we say have privilege. That's what critical race theory does. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus, through his death, burial, and resurrection, offers hope and life to lost sinners. Who are the lost sinners? All of us. All of us were lost sinners. Even who, who they call privileged were lost sinners. So if you're in Christ today and you're a white American, uh, you're, you're washed by Jesus Christ. You don't have to feel any kind of guilt. You don't have to feel any kind of, uh, any kind of, uh, uh, uneasiness about who you are. Matter of fact, who you are is buried in the grave. You are a new creation. Amen. So what is the core problem? According to critical race theory, the core problem is whiteness systems that oppress people of color. That's the problem. Well, in the gospel, according to the gospel, the, the problem is sin. Man's rejection of God's rule. That is the problem. 
sin is a problem we all have, regardless of ethnicity. So the core problem of critical race theory, again, is to a, a, a system of oppression. The, 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 the remedy is to oppress someone else. Oppress white people is, is the answer for critical race theory. Systems that oppress people of color. We want to turn, we want to flip the oppression around. We fix racism with more racism. When in, in, in honesty, we all fall short again. And we need, we need God's forgiveness. That's the only thing that's going to fix broken man. Not more oppression, not guilt, not one grooving up so that the other one can fall. But it's the realization that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. So what's the solution according to uh, critical race theory? To become woke, to do the work, to be an anti-racist. If you're if you're white, you have to prove that you're not racist. You have to uh, read the books. You have to uh, you have to uh, go and, and take up the cause of Black Lives Matter. You have to speak out. Uh, all of these different things. Uh, what is the solution according to the gospel? It's Jesus. Repent of your sin and allow the Holy Spirit to change you. That's the go- that's that's the solution. That's the solution that we all need. Again, becoming woke, doing the work. That's the, obviously that tells you right there. It's a work. It's a system of works. And if you're if you're a white American. You'll never be able to do enough work. You'll never be able to get free from the guilt of what ancestors have done because that's just the way it is. Whereas in the gospel, Jesus paid the penalty of the cross for us. We repent of our sin and we allow the spirit of God to come in and begin the work of regenerating us, of making us more like him. The goal, what's the goal of critical race theory? The the goal of critical race theory is utopia. Everything being equitable, we can accomplish by our own efforts. Uh, You heard earlier, I used the the term diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, Equity is the belief that everyone uh, should should get the same thing. Uh, Jesus and his parable of the talents completely smashed that theory. Uh, Jesus in his in his in his uh, in that parable, he he gave five talents to one. He gave two to one uh, another and he gave one to the other. And he went away for uh, and and in the story, the, the person who gave the talents went away for a season. The one with five created five more through his investment. The one with two created two more. And the one with one buried his in the ground. And so that he could present back to the master what he had gave him. So when the master returned, the master praised the one who made uh, who made uh, who made five more. So he had a total of ten. The one who had two had four, and he chastised the one who buried his. Uh, in a in a in a socialist system, which is what critical race theory wants to lead us to, what cultural Marxism wants to lead us to. We would have took from the one with 10 and the one with four, and we would have made sure all of them were equal. But that's not how Jesus operates. That's not how the, the kingdom operates. Uh, uh, you, 
it's a system of merit. What is what about the gospel? What's the goal of the gospel? The goal of the gospel is unity with God and each other through Jesus Christ. Utopia comes when Jesus Christ returns. Uh, in this world, this world is not going to be a utopia. Matter of fact, uh, this world will be the only hell that we ever experience. And this world, for those who don't know Jesus Christ, will be the closest thing to heaven they'll ever experience. There is no utopia until Jesus comes. So according to critical race theory, what is our identity? Our identity is either oppressed or an oppressor based on skin color. Well, we know that's not true according to the gospel. Our identity according to the gospel, we are God's creation. We are loved by him as Christians. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, regardless of our outward covering. Uh, Martin Luther King, I'm not a totally big fan of his, but he said this in his I Have a Dream speech. I have a dream that one day men would not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Well, you, you know what? The work of the gospel changes us from the inside out. It affects the content of our character. That is what's most important. Uh, you're on here this today. Uh, you're my brother. If you're in Christ, you're my brother and my sister, whether you look like me or not. Uh, again, as I said earlier, the church of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God has, has, um, has the answer, has the answer. We are a people of all tribes, kindreds, and tongues, yet we are connected we're connected by a savior. I'm a, I'm an African, I'm a black man who has a Jewish savior. I'm not concerned with what his race was. I'm concerned that his blood was red and that he offered it on the cross for me and that he, he redeemed me and he's given me eternal life. It's not about race. Our identity is not in what we look like from the outside. Our identity is in Christ. You must come to Jesus Christ to find out who you are. What you look like on the outside is a secondary identity. It is not who you are. We are his creation. We are made. We are from the blood of Adam. So today... If we could just get this in America, that our identity is in Christ. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your identity must come through the word, the living word, who is Jesus Christ. Yes, he's given us the word of God. He's given us the written, the written word of God. He is the word and he is who we must have our mind shaped by. That way we no longer think about ourselves as black, white, uh, Hispanic. Those are secondary identifying markers. I am a child of the king. I am a child of the most high God. Amen. So what is the truth? What is truth and what is morality according to critical race theory? The claim or assertions of oppressed people should be accepted without question. If you've done any, if you've done any research, uh, basically, this is talking about the fact that we've got to shut up. If you're white in America, you must shut up, you must shut your mouth, and you must listen to the stories of the oppressed. And whatever they tell you is truth. Whatever they tell you must be taken 
for what it is. You have no say in the matter because you are the oppressor. And so based on based on their ability to stir guilt, based on their ability to 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 make you uh, to talk about white privilege and all those things, uh, they back down people. And, and, and that's the goal to, to back down white America, uh, to back down any oppressor class. It, it goes for it goes for in the area of sexuality. Those of us who are heterosexual, uh, we need to listen to the to the to the cries of those in the LGBTQ community. We should we should feel compassion and sorry for them, and we should ultimately bend to their ideology. We should act. We should do that's that's not the truth, but that's what they expect. Uh, Truth and morality, according to God and according to the gospel, is God determines what is right, and His word is the ultimate truth. Uh, no matter what, that's that's where we must land. Uh, if you if you realize uh, what what Marxism does, is it challenges every foundation, it challenges every societal foundation that we have. It, it, it reminds me of the story in the Bible uh, where a man. Uh, one man built his house on sand and the other one built his on the rock. When the storms came to both houses and storms will come to both houses, uh, the one that was built on sand fell and great was the fall thereof. But the one that was built on a rock stood and it will continue to stand because it's built on the rock. We must build, we must build our lives on truth. Not on feelings, not on emotions, not on offenses, not on oppressions, not on the outward covering that we walk in, but the truth of what Jesus Christ did and the fact that he is making us, he's made us in his image. We were broken by sin and he has now redeemed us and he has, has filled us with his Holy Spirit and we're now his people, regardless of our, our outward covering, regardless of our nationality. We are his people. That is the truth. Okay, according to critical race theory, what is what is racism is prejudice, racial prejudice plus institutional power. Have you noticed that racism racism just used to be prejudice? It used to be, well, you you have a problem with someone of, of another race. Well, that's that 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 definition has morphed. It is now institutional power. So, again, the hegemony, the hegemony is European Anglo uh, Americans, uh, white people. Uh, and so racism is racial prejudice plus power. So uh, let me break this down for you. The only way you can be a racist is if you have power. So technically oppressed people. You, you guessed it. Oppressed people can't be racist, according to critical race theory. So this is the reason why you see horrendous things going on around the country uh, where people are being attacked. People, white people are being attacked and nothing much is said about it. Um, uh, hate crimes are uh, lied about, whether it be Carly Russell in Alabama, whether it be Jesse Smollett uh, in Chicago, uh, because the believability of black people as oppressed is so easy to perpetrate those stories uh, and so they take advantage of it because again 
The belief is, is that oppressed people can't be racist. Only people with power can be racist. Well, what is racism according to the gospel? According to Jesus Christ, the sum, the sin of partiality revealed as racial prejudice. There is a sin of partiality. We have had racism in this country in the past. We had it even uh, even as part of law. Uh, there were there were unjust laws. Uh, but again, uh, the men of God, uh, the founding fathers, agonized over this, and you know, England. You know, England uh, uh, abolished it, and we were right behind them. But let's let's be real: racism, uh, slavery, slavery still going on in the world. Yes, we had we had Jim Crow. We had horrible laws uh, that were that were in this country. But we also had uh, abolitionists. We also had people in the law system that were working to make these things right. Uh, there's no nation on the face of the planet that is that was perfect, that is sin free. Um, but if you've noticed, uh, the goal is to demonize America, uh, even to the point of uh, deconstructing history, taking down monuments, changing the names of high schools like we have one in our own area. Robert E. Lee High School is now Stanton High School uh, for that very reason. Uh, Forget the fact that uh, Lee wasn't all bad. Forget the fact that he agonized over the slaves that he had and wanted to free them, but he was concerned about where they would be if he freed them and someone else may enslave them. Uh, if you ever study the history of some of these guys, uh, especially like Robert E. Lee, you know I found out some things over the past few years that um, this this is a man who um, who uh, who had a relationship with Jesus Christ before he died and agonized over the sin of slavery. Um, but yet, these monuments, these Confederate monuments must be torn down uh, because, because oppression says so, because critical theory says so, because the ones perpetrating the social justice movement say so. There is no redemption in social justice. There is no redemption in critical race theory. There is just perpetual guilt. There's this perpetual uh, paying for past sins that you didn't even commit, that maybe even your father grandparents might not have even committed. Not every white person owned slaves. Matter of fact, there were black slave owners in America. If you go to Africa, there were Africans that were gathering slaves and bringing them to Sierra Leone to sell pens who came for slavery. We talk nothing about that, but again, that this let's continue on with our discussion. Who can be racist? I think I've already answered that, but I'll go ahead and answer it again. Who can be racist? White people can can only white people because only they have power. According to the God one can sin anyone because sin can arise in all of our hearts. I many people of color who are racist. I know many people that are white that love me and have loved me my whole life. I have many, many, many friends in both areas. Again, the heart can be affected by the gospel. 
has nothing. I'm, we are we are not to make the assumption that someone someone's outside covering makes them uh, one thing or another. Someone white is not automatically uh, should be suspected of being racist or prejudiced or having privilege. Um, someone that's black is not should not be immediately thought of uh, as uh, as a criminal or anything like uh, any bad person. I mean, we judge the content of a person's character, as Martin Luther King said in his speech. So what are the primary emotions of critical race theory? Guilt and anger. Guilt and anger are are the the emotions. And if you notice, if you listen to interviews, if you listen to people who espouse these ideologies, they're always angry. They're always emotional. Feelings mean everything. They want to get across their feelings. They've had pent up emotions for all these years because they felt like they've been disadvantaged. They felt like they've been oppressed. They may really, they, they may uh, experience some of this stuff, but they've not come to a relationship with Jesus Christ that enables them to walk in forgiveness, that enables them to break free from that anger and that guilt that can hold them bondage. What are the primary emotions? of the gospel, sorrow and repentance, leading to love, peace, and joy. Don't you want love, peace, and joy? Or do you always want to walk around pointing the finger and find, and, and, and assume someone is against you, assuming that someone uh, is holding you down or oppressing you? You can walk in freedom. Godly sorrow leads to repentance, and repentance leads to love, peace, and joy. And finally, my last point here, the path to unity. What is the path to unity according to critical race theory? To overturn unjust systems and to build collective power. So what's that saying? It's making the assumption that we have systems that are unjust. Systems are already against us. There's the word systemic racism, the belief that systems are already arrayed against people of color to hold them down, that you can't get a fair shake in this nation. Never mind the fact that immigrants have come here down through the years, legal immigrants, by the way, and they've built for themselves a, a life. They've built for themselves uh, businesses and and created generational wealth in this country. People of color from other places. Does that suggest that, that there are unjust systems that need to be overturned? Again, what is Marxism? Marxism is revolution. It's not about redemption. It's about revolution. It's about overturning systems. It is about destroying systems. So what? Then we can build collective power. Those, the goal is that those who are oppressed, those who feel like they're on the bottom, will be on the top. And those that they perceive they're on the top will be pushed to the bottom. Again, there is nothing about redemption. There's nothing about reconciliation within social justice. It is about revolution. It's what Marx wanted as, as, a, as, per, as someone to overthrow. Uh, overthrow capitalism and, and bring about communism, which is what's going on in this country now. What you're seeing 
is a Marxist takeover. What, you're, what, what we're witnessing, what we're seeing with the high inflation, what we're seeing with open borders and people just flooding into the country, what we're seeing by sending money all over the world, except for here. It is, it is a Marxist takeover to destroy this country because the last bastion of freedom on the planet. This government, this, this system of government has been a blessing to the world. We've sent more missionaries. We've sent more money around the world since America is, since the inception of America. And again, I'm not saying America's perfect, but there's no country on the face of the planet that has done more globally for the world than the United States of America. What is the path to unity according to the gospel? God makes us him and unites and unifies us to each other as we yield to his sanctifying work in our hearts. God, God does a work in our hearts and we start to see each other the way he sees them. We start to see people not by the color of their skin. We, we start to see people not by their sin. We have relationship with people in the LGBTQ community. We have relationship with people of all, uh, all races, all ethnicities. I hate that word race. We do that through the cross. We, we unite with them to preach the gospel to them, to model the gospel to them, to hopefully bring them into the kingdom because we don't want to see them perish. We don't affirm their sin. We don't affirm LGBTQ. We don't affirm racial prejudice. We don't affirm those things. We preach the gospel. We tell them that apart from the saving power of Jesus Christ, every man is lost. We want to see all saved. And again, so the gospel, as you've seen, as I've gone through all of these things, the gospel is the answer. It remains the answer. It, it is the only way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. We don't come through overthrowing governments. We don't come through assigning perpetual guilt to people. We preach the kingdom that brings freedom. We preach the gospel. We preach the cross, and that brings freedom. So uh, I, this, may be, this may have been a lot of information tonight, uh, especially some of the historical stuff. Uh, again, if you would like, uh, if you would like this handout, um, let me know and I, I can send it to you. If you're a friend of mine on Facebook, I'll send it through private messenger. Uh, it's just a great thing. I, I've got all kinds of other stuff I could have shown tonight. I don't have time. Uh, here's a matrix matrix of oppression. Uh, this is just thing. Um, social justice, social just justicians, uh, talk about, um, Again, there's no hope in assigning guilt and talking about oppression. We're here to talk about freedom, and the freedom comes through Jesus Christ. Um, but again, um, I don't know what I'll be talking about next week. I think I, uh, I think I hit that I was going to make this a two-part discussion. Um, I'll see what the Lord uh, speaks to me this week, uh, whether I'll have a guest or whether I'll have something else uh, to talk about. But um, I, I thank you guys for for being on tonight, uh, for all of you uh, hanging with me. Uh, again, um, the answer is the gospel. Um, we need to push back on these ideologies and narratives that we see. 
we need uh, we need to pray churches that um, are woke, that are gender affirming, that are uh, BLM supporting, uh, that they repent, uh, or quite frankly, that they shut down. Uh, we need men of God that preach the word of God to preach to preach the truth in the pulpits of America. Because as the pulpits go in America, so goes America. We really need a revival. We really need a return to the standards of God's word. And uh, and I believe I believe we'll see uh, at least with the I believe there's a remnant that has never bowed their knee, a remnant that has been faithful all along. And it's time for that rem remnant to arise. It's time to restore to people their God given identity through Christ, that they're not who they are on the outside, that they're not uh, the sin that, that, that has, has them in bondage. God has such a great plan for them. He's made them in his image and he wants to return them. Uh, he wants to redeem them and restore them to what God had, the, the plan God, that God has for them. Uh, so again, this has been Pastor Terrence Williams uh, with The Cutting Edge. Thank you guys for joining me. I hope I, I helped some tonight. I hope I helped educate some. And uh, again, reach out to me. Um, uh, this is just something that I talk about, something that I, I believe as a black man, I, I feel a mandate to speak to because of everything I see in the nation. Uh, and, and I just want to be a voice to, to, to point people to the cross of Jesus Christ, to point them away from all this stuff that is trying to tear us apart. And so, uh, again, this has been Pastor Terrence Williams. Uh, I love you all. And uh, I'll see you next week. This has been The Cutting Edge. Good night.